Hello, good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 57 of Three Blokes and the Rugby League podcast. The boys from East Moor are back alongside me. Josh McVitie and Jed Amos Goddard weighed in on the 2021 season of the Super League. Hopefully you will have all listened to our NRL preview series and the two preview episodes of Super League that we released prior to this one. We have drawn every team out of a hat at random and individually previewed their 2021 seasons. We've done exactly the same for the Northern Hemisphere. On this episode, we will be profiling the Lee Centurions, the Huddersfield Giants, Salford Red Devils, and Jed, you'll be taking us through the nearly men of Warrington Wolves. Definitely, and you've pretty much stolen my first line uh, of my pre 2020 reviews. Thanks for that. Another season comes along that Warrington don't win the grand final. And after being after so much being made in, in the build-up about the marquee signing of Gaz Widdop, his partnership with Blake Austin, it, it must go down as a real disappointment. I mean, they crashed, they crashed out in the first round of the playoffs to Hull at home, which left many fans really asking where things went so wrong for him when it was a season built of, of, of so much promise. A third place finish on paper um, is, is decent and, so, and some good results to, throughout the season. I mean, they beat Saints 19-0. I mean, and we saw how good and dominant Saints were. 19-0 over Saints, just nilling Saints at all is, is a really good performance. Um, but then there were just far too many lacklustre performances, um, especially in front of that Warrington faithful when they could get there. And I know it's hard when, when you're moving around, but it just wasn't what the standards that we'd expect from Warrington and really expect them to be more competitive and, and challenging more. One of the real surprises and sort of high points was the arrival of, of Matty Ashton, who, who signed from Swinton, I believe. Um, and, and he wowed us all, really. Wowed super with blistering speed, darting runs, off the ball steps. It, it, was, it was great to see a young lad make that step up from Swinton and, and really prove himself, come through the university system as well. So that was a real, real high point to see that. And I'm, I'm more, more for this season, please, if, if you're listening, Matty. Um, in, in terms of 2021, uh, there's been... Quite a large volume of players who have left the club. Uh, Dick Patton and, and Harvey Levet have both moved on to pastures new. Um, Anthony Gellin, Lilene Latu have both been released. Um, biggest loss will definitely be how you might disagree. It's Ben Murdoch Masillo, who's, who's been a real powerhouse forward of this competition for many years now at both Warrington and Salford. Um, he's gone to across the globe to the New Zealand Warriors. He's an absolute wrecking ball of a forward who, who will definitely be missed by that Warrington pack. And they have made some very good signings in an earlier podcast. Joss touched on about how much of a big loss Robbie Mulhern will be to Hull KR, and, 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 I, and I second that. And I feel like he's a great acquisition and, and will really bolster that pack that has lost quite a few few players. In. And he brings a lot of versatility and a lot of difference to that pack. Hands, he's got a quick play of the ball. He offers, he's a very much of a, a whole package in terms of a forward. He's not, very, he's not one dimension. He's got a lot of uh, dimension to him. But of course, the main signing of not only Warrington, but Super League, uh, and probably rugby league as a whole is is the signing of Greg Inglis, one of the best players of his generation. He's been coaxed out of retirement to play his trade in Super League. There, of course, are numerous questions that are being asked, especially over his fitness, whether he's overcome them. Obviously, he was forced to retire due to repeated injuries across all his body, um, and which at the end was really premature, which was a shame to see his career finish like that. Um, not only that, I mean, even if you take that out of it, can I, can I, can you come back to this level after being out of the game? Not even retiring for the cost of injuries, just retiring as a whole and then coming back after you after being out of the game for so long. It's, it's a big ask. I mean, if anyone can, G, I can, but it'll be interesting to see how he does adjust to life after 
and the rigors it'll take on his body after being out of it so long. But I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have done it if he didn't have faith in himself. And, and he is one of the best players of our generation and one of the best players of all time. I think we can all agree on that. One area of concern that I do have with this squad going into 2021 is, although I am not truly familiar with the, the, the youngsters that Warrington have, they seem a little bit light when it comes to forward depth, um, especially we've said like Livet's gone, Latou's gone, and they've not really brought anyone in. Mulhern's come in, but that's about it. I mean, with the resources they have, if they needed to buy, there's no, the Warrington are a flash in the cash, are they? If they needed to bring in, then we definitely know that they would have brought in. So the fact that they haven't brought anyone in really to fulfil them positions makes me believe that they have a lot of confidence in their youth players. Um, they need to improve overall. They need to be consistently challenging for titles. Last year, we know when they're good enough. Getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs is not good enough for them, especially to a whole side that weren't amazing and, and losing at home is, is, is unacceptable. So I feel like we will see them perform a lot better this season. Um, I feel like they have to. Obviously, Steve Price is, has announced that he's, he's going at the end of the season. I always think that's a strange one. I feel like rugby league does it a lot that they'll announce that players are leaving and coaches are leaving at the start of the season. Surely you'd want to keep that under wraps and announce it towards the back end of the season. Uh, but uh, that's just the way we seem to do things in rugby league. seems a little bit backwards to me. But he'll be wanting to end this spell successfully. Obviously, did guide them to that, that surprise Challenge Cup final victory over Saints a couple of years ago. But other than a, a grand final loss, I think he's, they've not really done anything in, in that aspect. So they need to be getting to a final. Um in terms of the key battles within the team, Matty Ashton will be immediately looking to secure a starting place. He's not there in, in terms of the squad numbers. They've also got Jake Mama, uh, who can play across the back line, can play fullback, can play halves, and, and he's really talented and sort of put, so a player that can make something happen off the flip of the coin. Um, he's really exciting to watch. Um, and Aribi Doro is a young forward, is the only one that I have been looking at and been made aware of. That's been marked for big things, so I expect him to get some game time and probably one of the reasons they haven't brought anyone else in. In terms of 2021, it, it, it boils down to two questions. Will GI be the GI that we know? And can Widdop and Austin gel this year? I mean, if the answers to both of these questions is yes, then I see a very successful season for Wire. However, I'm not confident that this will be the case. Um, I think that the Saints and Wigan squads overall are, are a lot better. And I feel like it'll be another third place finish for, for Wire. I do feel that... I mean, there's questions over Gaz Widdop. Obviously, it was rumoured that he was looking to secure a contract at least to go back to the NRL. However, it seemed like nobody wanted him. Now, he knows that. Maybe that'll give him a kick up the backside and he will perform a lot better. And, and Austin will sort of pick up that 2019 form. I saw him be obviously running for the Man of Steel. And if they can click, then obviously it, it will be really important for them as, as a whole. And if they can click and get GI on the edges and push him through, then there's no reason they can't beat anyone on the day. So, for me, the key player, I've picked an unusual one because of his 2020 form, but I've picked Gareth Widdop, not because of what he achieved last year, but of what Warrington can achieve if he plays to the best of his ability. If that half-path partnership, like I've mentioned with Austin, starts firing, that could be the making of a much better season and potentially finally picking up a Super League trophy, although I do think it is a bit of a stretch. And one to watch for me is, is definitely Danny Walker. It seems like an obvious choice. I mean, he's, he's been on everyone's lips now for a fair few years. Started making waves at Witness, and obviously when they went into trouble, he did sign at um, Warrington. 
and he's obviously going to sit behind Daryl Clark in the pecking order. But he has managed to make 11 appearances uh, since he signed from Widnes. It shows that they do have a lot of faith in him. Clark's easy an 80-minute hooker if he wants to be, so they're not shy about using Danny Walker, whether it be that if he fills in for a whole game or if they want to bring him off the bench. And he's quite quick around the rook, and he's not scared He's not scared of shirking it and getting stuck into whoever it may be that come in front of, it, in front of him, and he'll uh, definitely give it a go. So I feel like he'll be uh, definitely one to, if he does get an opportunity, to, to make them count. Another one to touch on as well, just is Toby King. I think is is a great centre. I'm really big fan of him, and I expect him to carry on a another big season. In terms of the forwards, it's just a case of, of, of carrying on and doing. Ben Curry needs to get back to that 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 predicted form he was going to get before the injuries. If he can get that to that, it'll be a great boost for them. Uh, you got Jason Clark, Joe Philbin, Jack Hughes, Mike Cooper was excellent last season. I thought them perform well. You got Chris Hill. I know he's knocking on, but they've got a really strong pack. But then, as, as I've said. It is the depth behind that that does worry a little bit. If you get two, three injuries to that pack, it's looking a lot a lot weaker and not really a top four kind of pack. Um, and, and that's really it, really, to be honest. Um, I feel it's always straightforward for Warrington. Improve and go the distance. It's always a joke. It'll always be their year, but it's, it's beyond a joke now for Warrington. They've been the top big four club for, for many, many years and not brought that title home. They've had many challenge cup victories but for the fans in sort of a comparison to Liverpool they need to bring home a big trophy they need to bring home Super League and now you've both got your hands up like we're in a class uh, Jamie's got a pen so he's edged you out there Joss his finger looks bigger I'll go with you first Jamie finger, but um, Warrington you know we mentioned St Helens yesterday as well ageing squad Stefan Ratchford 32 Greg Inglis 34 Blake Austin 30 Gareth Widdop 31 Chris Hill 33 Mike Cooper 32 Jason Clark 31 Chanley and Lynham, 29. Is, is this is this really detrimental to them? I feel like it is opposed to Saints. I feel like they haven't... Saints look at these young players that they are starting to bring through. Like you've mentioned, like the Jack Wellsby's and things like that. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head other than Matty Ashton, Ashton who they're brought in anyway, that is a young player... And Danny Walker, who they brought in, that he's starting to make waves. Um, so I feel like, it, I know we've touched on this quite a bit before, that they seem to have a lot of their salary cap tied up in these older players who are ageing. And for me, it would definitely be a big worry because I don't feel like they've got the necessary people to bring in immediately from the youth to try and step up. Long gone are the days where they brought like your Kings through, your Currys through. Um, no, no one's really filled that void and come through in the last few years. So that would definitely be a, a big worry for me. Yeah, go on, Joss. What is your question for me, mate? Yeah, so you've mentioned him already, and Matty Ashton obviously is similar to Jake Mamer, but Matty Ashton's been banging on the door of the first team for a while now. It firstly is this for year he get takes a spot in the one to thirteen. And if he does, who does he dislodge? For me, I would have him straight up starting ahead of Tom Lynham. I think he's a better player and offers more, but he is wanting that fullback, and I don't think he's got enough about him to dislodge a veteran such as Stefan Ratchford. Um, and I can't really see him fit him anywhere. Toby King, Greg English, Josh Chinley is not really going to dislodge them. So I would definitely be aiming to try and dislodge Tom Lynham. And for me, already starts ahead of him. And obviously, the competition with Mamo there as well. There's usual questions that we're asking for Warrington, um, the same every year, but coming a team that's coming to Super League in, in very much unusual circumstances is uh, Lee Centurions. And uh, Jamie, you're going to talk about what are their chances they're coming into 2021. We started off every team in our NRL and Super League previews by talking about what they did last year in 2020, but Lee didn't do a thing because 
you know, what, what can be really said about their 2020 campaign. You know, they started in excellent fashion. They won four out of four, obviously four on the bounce in the championship. They went undefeated. They beat Dewsbury, York, Batley, Sheffield. Uh, before the country and the world got put into lockdown and COVID restrictions shut down the competition in the low league and rugby league for the entire for the entire year. They were sitting in second position on the ladder when this happened with only Toulouse above them when they won five out of five. Um, and what followed was was definitely newsworthy. Um, we all know how things ended up. Super League returned later on in the season, but the lower leagues were deemed null and void. Um, Toronto dropped out of the competition due to numerous issues and selection of teams were categorised in order to choose a replacement. On the 14th of December, it was announced that Lee were going to be the 12th team in the 2021 Super League season, much to the surprise of everybody involved with the game, if I'm honest. Not a single person thought Lee would stood a chance. And in the press release, it was revealed that Lee's application scored highly on all the published criteria, including how they, how they can en enhance the value of Super League to broadcasters, and sponsorship partners. Um, they, they need to deliver value to other members of the Super League. They need to be competitive on the field. They need to be sustainable in the 2021 season. And they need to meet the goals set in the 2021 Rugby Football League strategy reset. Um, this will be the third time Lee will appear in Super League after a one season in 2005 and one season in 2017. Campaigns in which they were relegated immediately after their promotion. Um, so they've obviously had to have a huge off-season. They didn't really have an on-season, if I'm honest, in 2020 with four games. And expectedly have recruited heavily in doing so. They brought in 14 new faces, mostly on one-year deals, which is actually quite smart business from them looking at the past record in Super League. They've bolstered the squad with a lot of big money signings and then not lasted at all. So, you know, they've brought in the likes of Jamie Ellis, Matty G, Ryan Braley and Nathaniel Petru from OKR. Blake Wallace, Adam Sidlow, Joe Mello and Matty Russell from uh, Toronto and Craig Mullen from Wigan and James Bell from Toulouse, who's a big bloke at, at loose forward who I do like, who's played NRL, I believe, at Manly. Um, but in my opinion, the blokes that are, are going to change the tide fully are blokes like the season prop in, in Ben Flower from Wigan. Really good signing. I mean, everybody knows what he's known for. In, in rugby league, it's the Lancer higher punch and, and his kind of rugged ways in the front row, but he's a real prop forward who, who, who are Super League winning experience and can lead a pack. Um, Lewis Taney, they've brought in from Catalan, who's a proven try scorer and he's absolutely rapid in open space, much like his dad was, but, you know, he, he, he doesn't really um, profile that he's, he's Jason Robinson's son, but Lewis Taney is a, a proven try scorer on his own. Brendan Elliott is, is a decent utility back from overseas. They've brought him in from Manly. You know, he's got a good experience at Manly and Newcastle. Um, but for me, most importantly, Tyrone McCarthy is a really good pickup. He's tried and tested in the back row for a number of years at Warrington and Salford and obviously even had a stint in the NRL with St. George. He'll offer something a bit extra for this Lee outfit and, and you know, that they wouldn't have had in previous years. He's a really mature figure and, and a true spearhead in that back row. You know, Lee have, have got to be looking anywhere rather than bottom of the table for me. It's happened twice before and they're favoured to do it again this time around. I can see them going the same way as 2017, if I'm honest, in looking... Um, but they need to really look to intimidate teams and lower the standard of teams to how they play. You know, they've got some creative halves there in Wallace and Miller and some capable outside backs. It wouldn't surprise me if they have a few a few upsets. And, and they've recruited strongly in the back room as well. They've, they've brought in Paul Anderson, who's got some great experience at England and at Huddersfield Giants. And Paul Cook too, who we know is rugby league brain, is, is unlike many others. In terms of finishing place... 
you know, as I've just said, Coach John Duffy will be doing everything he can to avoid the dreaded 12th position and, and relegation. Um, but I think it's going to be really tough. As, as you mentioned yesterday, Joss, we, oh, sorry, two days ago with Hull KR, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a straight shootout between them and potentially us um, for the wooden spoon and relegation. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a couple of teams fighting out. And even with some confident signings, I still think Lee, you're probably going to be finishing bottom of the table and heading back to the Championship for 2022. You know, they've got some key players. I've mentioned Ben Flower and Ty- Tyrone McCarthy coming in. But someone who always seems to stand out for Lee is Liam Hood. You know, really confident hooker. Um, and he's been there for a lot of years now. And, and he's had two stints at Lee. And he started at Leeds in 2009. He's 29 now. He's had over 200 first grade appearances. He's a real strong head. Loves a tackle. Got a really good pass at him. And, and he's very good in the collision as well. Um, and they'll probably look to rotate him with another old head who's played Super League in the past, and that's Matty Wilde. Both of them will be looking for a, um, you know, another shot to impress at Super League level. Players to watch. I've, I've kept an eye on this guy for a lot of years, and I don't even know why. I think because he's got a unique name, and he, and he really stood out for me when he was at Witness and never really got the chance at Warrington. And I've always really liked the look of Keenan Brand. You know, he's a really, he's really good. He was really good in, in the centre position for Witness coming up and he didn't really have that chance at Warrington. And they've now offered him on loan to Lee. He's, he's very strong in attack in the same way that Jake Wardle is at Huddersfield. He's got a lovely outside step to make space for himself and he's outside winger. I think he'll actually prosper really well this season for Lee and, and look to him to get double-figure tries if, if they allow him to have that space on the outside. Um, and, I, and I think once he gets the opportunity to be... Um, in the centre position, I don't think you'll lose it. Players to improve, you know, they've got a lot of players who you think should be maybe Super League players, but they've never really made it. And I think someone like Jordan Thompson has a, has a real point to prove. He's been on the scene for over 10 years now. And even though he's had a solid career, he's played for Cass, he's played for Hull, he's played for Leeds. Um, he's, he's never really broke any ground as a back rower, in my opinion. You know, this lead pack can be really dominant if they want to, and they can be really tough with the likes of Flower. Sidlow, McCarthy, James Bell, Ione, Spencer and, and the like. Um, but he's got a lot of competition too, so he'll really need to work hard in training and, and, and have his best performance week in, week out. And I think this lay side could produce a couple of upsets, but I'm, I think you might be in the same boat as me, lads. They're going to be in for a, a bit of a struggle, a struggle of a season. Yeah, so just going through the lay squad, Jamie, well, initially, what would you have as your spine? And do you think the strength is enough in depth there? Like you said, I know we, we keep going over it, but we don't know the situation with COVID and injuries are easily picked up. Do, do you think they've got the depth in the spine to to, to, to mount a, a challenge to not go down again? Or? It's going to be really tough. I think, I mean, without revealing too much, obviously we release a lot of it on social media, but they've got a good amount of depth at fullback. They've got, they've got a choice of either Matty Russell, Brendan Elliott or Ryan Braley. Um, I think they'll probably go with Brendan Elliott just because he's, he's got a bit more spice to him. Ryan Braley's got an unbelievable record at Lee. In his first stint, he got 134 tries in 128 games at Lee, which is ridiculous. Um, and Matty Russell has, has owned it at fullback as well before. I think they'll stick with Wallace and Meller in the halves. Um, and like I said, I think they'll rotate between Hood and Wilde in, in the hooking position. But it's, it's going to be tough for them because... Once one of them drops out, especially in the house, they haven't really got a lot to fill in. 
if you're, obviously Lee's main goal will be to stay up this season, and I'm I'm just having a quick look now at, at previous tables. I mean, it's hard to count last year, but OKR finished technically bottom. If you discount Toronto, they got three wins. That's six points. Season before was very competitive in terms of the relegation. London got relegated on twenty points, despite obviously tying. I think with Hullcare also on twenty, and Wakey got twenty two. Was real competitive. Season before that, Widness got relegated on six points, and then the team above them. Um, was on was on fourteen points, and the season before that um, was the last time that Lee actually got relegated through the, the middle eights, and they didn't actually finish bottom. Widness finished bottom on eleven points, and they finished on twelve. What do you think would be a realistic target for Lee to set themselves in terms of points to help avoid relegation? I mean, truthfully, I don't have the fixture list in front of me, but they've got to be having a red round OKR, us, um, and Salford. They've got to try and pick up wins against all the other sides that are going to be competing with them at the bottom of the table. I think especially, I think Salford will probably go a little bit better than us, um, KR and Lee. But especially KR and us, they've got to, I think, potentially be playing us twice and KR twice. So that's four or five wins. I think they'll, they've got a bit of a rivalry with Wigan, obviously, in terms of um, where they're based. And, and it's a local rivalry, but it, it's going to be tough. Catalans at home could be a, a good pick up. But I think they've got to aim for about you know, five, six, seven wins to even stand a chance of staying up because it's going to be quite competitive down there this year. I think, I think competitive is the wrong word. I think there's going to be a, a, a three or four teams collectively are going to be down there. But yeah, they, they've, they've just got to focus on, on teams around them. Um, it's going to be a tough all year for Lee. I think I've got them predicted bottom. I think you two have probably got them predicted bottom as well. Um, I mean, personally though, a team who is looking very strong this year, and I think it will be improving in tenfold in all over the field, the Huddersfield Giant. And you've you've done their preview for us today, mate. Yeah, these are when we when we drew out who we were previewing. These were one of the sides I wanted, and these are one of the sides I am really genuinely looking forward to play. It's watching this year because I feel like they're just they're going to be a surprise package for a lot of teams. I think they're going to throw the ball around really well and I think they're going to back it up defensively. I honestly would not be surprised to see Huddersfield turning the big, some of the big teams over, uh, nicking a win against Leeds, nicking a win against Warrington. I think they're going to be a real problematic side to go to this year. Um, Ian Watson's a superb coach. I, I, for me, he's going to be coach of the year this year. Um, I've got massive wraps on him and I think he's awesome. Um and the signings and the core he has at his disposal, uh, they're, they're exciting. You look at that core, we haven't had a chance to see Cesar, Eden Cesar at full strength yet. Obviously, COVID hit season last year. I'm expecting huge things from him this year. They're just, I just feel like they're going to be really, really exciting. You know, Last year, they built well, they cracked the eight. Um, and I feel like as a club, they'll be really happy with that, given what we're going on with covid and where they've been in the last couple of seasons. They, they became more consistent, they were more physical. Um, they did still manage to drop one or two games, which for me they probably should be winning. But across the board, it was a more consistent year. Um, I think they managed to... What we, what we didn't see them do well before last season was they managed to balance the old guard and the youth really well. You know, Lawrence, Kudjo, McGilvery were then balanced out with blokes like Matty English, Owen Wilson. Um, it was just a really strong year for me. As mentioned, they, uh, they lost a few games last year, which they shouldn't have done. 
I think they get hit by quite a numerous amount of injuries, but um, so did multiple teams, and I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out excuse to say, yeah, we've got X, Y, and Z injuries, but, you know, you need your best team out. And I feel like the ability of the team they still put out in them games, they could have definitely picked up one or two wins, what they definitely should have done, or prior to the season, that wins which they would have... Um, they would have definitely marked as potential two points. Um, I think once they, uh, they get that consistency going properly, and especially in the middle part of the year where things start, injuries start to take the toll, and obviously fixtures are already there and everywhere, I think if they get consistent and pick up wins throughout that, they're going to be a real force to be reckoned with. As for the signings, it's been a bit of a bit of a changeover really it'll just feel I think Ian Watson's potentially the best signing they've done I think he's going to be huge for just field this season as for going out the other door um, Tom Holmes has left who, who I quite like Paul Clough's left Dom Young's over in Australia doing well Jordan Turner's left at Cass they've let Sione Matagi and in a senior go out on loan Akira Uate is retired but saying that I'm going to reel off who would have brought in him and talk about him but Jack Ashworth Jack Cogger, Ricky Latelli, Josh Jones, Oliashaw Bolt, Luke Yates, Greenwood. You know, there's some quality signings there. The decision to sign Ricky Latelli for me is superb. He is quality. He is superb. He'll be a real nightmare for defenders when he's fully firing. I think Jack Cogger brings competition to the halfback position, something which Huddersfield haven't had in depth for the last couple of seasons. Or strength it's strength it's strength in depth sorry not just that and um it's definitely something they've missed of late I think Jack Ashworth and Jack Jones offer some real grunt in the forwards I mean some real meanness some real toughness um whilst giving it whilst giving it that I feel like Josh Jones could really shine at Huddersfield and become a real prop uh, proper premier forwards of the Super League because he's just he just he, he's everything you want. He's big, he's physical, he's he's been in a GB tour, and I think it's a real astute bit of business. And I think under Ian Watson, it will go really, really well. For me, I've got Huddersfield um, cracking six this year. I've got him at six. Probably you two boys might not, but um, key player speaks for him. Sent in says you know we've had him on the pod, we've had a chat with him, and it all sounds good from his point of view. On his day, for me, he's pushing Lomax as the best halfback in the league. He's pivotal to everything and anything Huddersfield do. He's huge for them. But he's an individual who manages to remain ground and keep focused. I think as a squad as a whole, he will have the boys where he wants them to be and he will uh, he will push on. Player to watch is a friend of a podcast, he's Matt English. His attitude, he runs really well, he's superb. He gets stuck in and doesn't shirk his work. And I think the inclusion of blokes like Luke Yakes, Josh Jones and... Chris McQueen will bring uh, his game to a new level because they've got experience, what they can instill into him, what they have learned, and he will be a real force to be reckoned with. A bloke who needs to improve, I might surprise a couple of people here, is Jermaine McGilvery. You know, we normally talk about him on the win for England. He only managed to grab seven tries last year. Now, I know the season was upside down, but in terms of his turnover, that's pretty poor from McGilvery's standards. He's a big bloke, and I think if he can find his knack, the scoring tries have been in the right position. Huddersfield this season will uh, will go really well. What about you, boys? Huddersfield are really scaring me this year. I think they've got a really strong squad. I've got them to finish in the top five, actually. I've got them finishing fifth. But, I mean, we all know how good Aidan Caesar is. He, gave, he, he meshed really well with Lee Gaskell. 
like you say, Ricky Latelli is a is a brilliant signing. I mean, he, he won he won a grand final in the centre at, at Cronulla. He's just been part of a grand final winning side at Melbourne. They've got youth galore. They've got some rapid outside backs. I really like Adam O'Brien in, in the hooking position. Um, question for you, Joss. Josh Jones, he had a, he had a superb season at Salford. Got into the like the Great Great Britain touring side. Went to Hull, made about five games, and then and then didn't really work out for him. He's been given the thirteen jersey this year, mate. How do you think he'll get on at thirteen? And, and do you think he's going to be a, in kind of that twenty nineteen form? Yeah, I think he will. I think he's going to fall off season under his belt. I think he's a coach of Ian Watson who he gets on with and has worked under before and will go well from him. I think he's the type of forward who Watson likes and will get the best out of. And I think this, the game which I feel they're going to play um, really suits Josh Jones and I think we'll see the best of him. You know, he's big enough to be another front rower, really. and But he's quick enough and agile enough to be out in centres. And I think that's definitely some of the field have lacked of, of late. And I think he'll, do, he'll put a great shift in at 13. And... Um, his ability on the ball, I think, will suit the Huddersfield style of play. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think he's going to be one of the pickups on the off-season. I think he's going to be great at Huddersfield. Uh, what about you, Jed? What do you think? I see them improving and, and really pushing for a playoff spot. Um, my question is, if, if they are looking to do that and that's going to be their realistic ambition, you look at the halves of the other teams and you look up their, and you look at their backup, more importantly, if, if a key ma- member gets injured... Aiden Caesar is no doubt a Premier player in the competition, one of the best players in the competitions. An injured to him, they bring in Jack Cogger. Is Cogger, say Caesar gets injured for two months, is Cogger and uh, Gaskell a good enough combination to still pick up them victories to be able to push them towards the playoffs? Or does it hinge too much on Aiden Caesar staying fit? I think a big one with that is. Aiden Caesar offers so much, you don't think anyone else. But I really like Lee Gaskell. I think he's a good player and I think he offers a variety of things. Jack Cogger is going to be a bit of an interesting one. and I think it'll be interesting to see how he goes at the start of the season. Um, Ashton Golden's out and I think Lee Gaskell might see a bit of game time at fullback this year. Um, I'm interested to see how Cogger goes. It's hard to answer the question at the minute because I don't really know what Jack Cogger's going to bring. I, I I don't think we've well. I don't think I've seen enough of him in the NRL to fully understand what type of player he is or how he'd link up with someone like Lee Gaskell. Um, I think on his day, Gaskell can really organise a team and can control. Um, so we just over to whether Cogger could bring um, bring him in, bring him into the game. Really, I don't know what do you what do you two boys think. I won't, I won't really massively impressed with Cogger. You know, he started at Newcastle, got transferred to Doggies. I mean. He was at Newcastle when they won the Spoon and he went to the Doggies when they were a poor side. So he's not really been in a side that's, that's been a winning side. But he didn't really impress me too much. Like you say, I think they've probably brought him in to cover for the fact that Tom Holmes won the first team rugby and he's gone to Fev. They've got Ollie Russell as well. I really like Ollie Russell. So I think they've got some decent backup there. But um, yeah, it, it didn't really impress me. I, I don't know how much you saw of him, Jed. Uh, no, I, don't, I mean, it's... It's, you've always got to take it with a pinch of salt when you're playing in such a struggling side. I mean, I've just looked. He has got 44 NRL appearances, which is not often to be shirked at, really. But I feel if Gaskell gets injured and he comes in, I feel like Huddersfield still do a job and still really remain competitive and, and really spread the ball and play good rugby. 
But if it's if it's Gaskell and then it's Cogger, I don't feel like Ga- Gaskell, as much as I do also rate him, Joss, I do think he's a very good player, but I don't think he's got enough in it to carry that half's partnership like he would be required to do if he had Cogger as his half partner. I don't know if you uh, agree or disagree or if you've got any final thoughts. Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely interesting and hopefully to better the Super League uh, agency as stays fit. But speaking of Ian Watson and my life for him, we'll talk about his former employers now and that is a song from Red Devils with Jamie. Yes, last but not least, lads, our 12th team to cover is this for Red Devils. I mean, like I said, we started with, with the 2020 recaps, but going back even further, I think they suffered a bit of a hangover of sorts from their unbelievable run in 2019, which saw them lose to St. Helens in the grand final. You know, key figures like Josh Jones, as we mentioned, and Jackson Hastings left the club. But I can bet, I can bet that all Salford Red Devil fans were more than happy with the 2020 campaign. You know, besides the COVID pandemic, Salford finished in ninth spot with eight wins from 18 games, which should have technically been the seventh spot if it wasn't for their poor financial commitments. You know, but it was another major cup final that that they reached that really excited the fans. Ian Watson led them to the Challenge Cup final against Leeds, losing out to one point. Their first Challenge Cup final since the 1968-1969 season. And even though they came out with the losers' medals, it was another underdog performance by the uh, Salford outfit that really earned the respect of the rugby league world. You know, the, the points deduction for failing to meet the financial commitments obviously affected them in the league, but they were still very resilient in the majority of their games. 13 times in the season, there was 10 points in it with their opponents, which is ridiculous, really. It shows how tight they were and, and how, how willing they were to compete, whether they won or lost. And this shows me that they're constantly trying to compete. You know, the likes of tried and tested forwards, Lee Mossop, Mark Flanagan, Tyrone McCarthy, we spoke about previously, Gil Dudson, they're always there to tough it out of games. And a combination of Niall Evalds, Tuilolahia, Ken Seo, Christian Inu, who, who were scoring points for fun. This team were really exciting and, and enjoyable to watch in 2020. And I know, I know Josh, you, you spoke about him quite highly last season. Christian Inu were, were kicking goals for fun. He was scoring points for fun and, and really someone who was thriving in the, in the latter stage of his, of his career. Off-season, off unfortunately, once again, much like it was at the back end of 2019, the majority of the names I've just mentioned are no longer with the club. Mark Flanagan's retired from active competition. Gil Dudson's gone to Catalan. Niall Eovald has gone to Cass. Tyrone McCarthy's gone to um, Lee, who I've just mentioned. Um, you know, match-winning hooker, Joey Lussick, we spoke about in the other week, has gone to Parramatta. Most importantly, Ian Watson's gone to Huddersfield, like you just mentioned, Joss. But something Salford have shown in recent times, they replaced really well. And initially, Richard Marshall is an excellent recruitment for the head coach's spot. You know, for many years, he was seen as the best coach outside of Super League with, with that Halifax side. And then spent the past couple of years with, with the St. Ellen's backroom staff winning multiple grand finals and, and finals appearances. And I think he'll really benefit from, from being within a fractured Salford club that he will have to, um, you know, fix himself. Elsewhere, they've picked up a decent couple of signings, actually. You know, Morgan Escaray and Matty Costello stand out. You know, they want another crack at Super League. They didn't really work out at other clubs. Morgan Escaray's got a, a good reputation, even though he's floundered in the past couple of years. Matty Costello, really good St. Helens youth. He can play the wing or the centre. Um, strong forwards, Oliver Roberts from Huddersfield, Harvey Levette from Wire, Darcy Lussick from Toronto. You know, big big forwards who's going to bolster the pack who, who I think will, will benefit really well from being in a hard-working Salford pack backs up against the wall type stuff but three three signings that really stand out for me are Declan Patton 
Elijah Taylor and Joe Burgess. Um, you know, the latter, Joe Burgess, he seems to have fallen off the face of the earth, you know, the past two years. At a young age, he was tipped for very bright things and, and even managed to snag a move over to the NRL. Played for the Roosters, played for the Bunnies, but he failed to impress it and moved back over to Wigan. He's still only 26, and I think Burgess will love having a bit of less pressure on him at the AJ Bell Stadium. And it'll be an outside chance of making that England World Cup squad if he regains his try-scoring form. Um, Elijah Taylor, he's been a stalwart for many years at the Warriors, at the Panthers, and at my boys at the Tigers. And, and it's still up in the air how much playing time he'll actually get. He's been given the 13 jersey. Um, but injuries have, have gotten on top of him the past couple of years, if I'm honest, with the Tigers. Um, but he will always give everything he has when, he, when he's been chosen to play. He's, he's an out-and-out, out, you know, hard-working forward. And, and it's now or never for ne- Declan Patton. I think you boys have said it before on the podcast. I've always thought he's been a bit unlucky at Warrington, being behind blokes that they've given bigger wages to. But, you know, look, speaking to a couple of their fan base, and obviously we've, we've got mates who are Warrington fans, and, and, and he's never actually really lived up to expectation. And, and the places in the halfbacks are very competitive at Salford, unlike many other clubs. Um, and I'll expect him to, to be competing very heavily at training and on the field as well. Finishing place, we spoke about this religiously in the past couple of podcasts of the previews. I think it'll be a similar outlook for Salford this year. I think they've got to try and aim for getting to the playoffs, but I think for their side in in the rebuilding phase again, I've probably seen them finishing about ninth or 10th. They're too good to finish bottom and go down, but I don't think they've got enough to finish in the playoff spots. I think Joe Burgess will be pushing the top try scoring charts if he tries to rekindle some form. But they've also recruited Paul Rowley in the backroom staff, who we know for League and Toronto loves having a really aggressive, tenacious um, defence and forward pack as well. And I think he'll, he'll tighten up a couple of them leaky leaky defence. Key player, Christian Inu, he was an absolute animal last year. He's, he turns 34 this year. Sorry, next week, actually, he turns 34. So you know his age and it might be even his last year at the club. But last year, he got the top point scorer with 130. He was a top try scorer with 12 tries. And he was kicking goals from left, right and centre with 40 goals overall. I don't really see any reason why he won't continue that form, apart from the fact his age and he might be a bit more rusty in the off-season. And someone else I enjoyed watching at Wakefield is Paulie Paulie. He's an absolute destructive force when he wants to be. But, you know, he really needs to commit to stop making so many errors and stop giving away so many penalties, it's almost a detriment to his actual playing style that he ends up doing this. But when he's on, he's on, and he's one of the best forwards in the competition. Players to watch, Salford have had an issue with bringing through youth products in the past couple of years, and when they do, they seem to get stolen. You know, past couple of, in recent times, Stefan Ratchford and Richard Myler spark, spark conversation. Niall Evald has obviously left the club. Really good talents and, and international talents. But someone who stood out for me is, is Connor Aspie. You know, he's someone who's been impressing in the lower grades recently at Salford and, and he's been given the number 30 jersey this season. Um, you know, he's a, he's a short and stocky hooker who made his Super League debut in 2020 and looking at the hooking position for Salford, they don't have much depth at all. They've got Andy Ackers in the number nine spot, but they don't really have anybody else. Um, so I think Connor Aspie could be maybe getting a few gigs this year if, if, he, if luck goes his way. Plays to improve, they've got a bucket load at Salford and, and they seem to be collecting these... Not so much over the hill players, but blokes who are looking for a second chance. Callum Watkins is, is an absolute shadow of his former self, and I don't think he's, he's anywhere near getting used to the form of what he was in his younger days. Um, Joe Burgess, Morgan Esquire have already covered. They'll be looking for another good opportunity, but I really think it's time for Harvey Levette 
to have a big season and really big impact. I, I really enjoyed him at, at Warrington as a youngster, um, but he's never really broke through. You know, he's, he's a huge body. He's only 24. Um, I think he should hopefully be, be aiming for a starting position this year. Um, I don't know how you boys think they're going to they're go on this year, but I think they'll, they'll do more of the same. Yeah, I think they'll uh, definitely be there thereabouts. My uh, question, we've talked about the turnover of players and new players coming in. But how big of a loss do you think Ian Watson's going to be? Oh, Hugh, I think I think the only benefit is that Richard Marshall, it, it's not it's not so much the loss, but it's how you replace him as well. Um, Richard Marshall's been at St. Helens for the past couple of years, so he's been around winners. He's learnt off the best coaches and the best players. And when he was at Halifax... You know, their teams are really respected in the lower divisions and they were unfortunate not to get promoted a couple of times. I'm sure I think they made a couple of good playoff appearances. He's made a couple of appearances on Sky and BBC and he speaks very well and, and he's very well highly regarded. Um, but, you know, Ian Watson is, is their most successful coach in a long period of time. He's taken them to two major grand, uh, a grand final and a Challenge Cup final. It, it will be sorely missed along with Niall Evalds, but... You know, you're in a relegation promotion business. You can't be looking back on, on who you've lost and you've got to look at how you're going to replace them. Mine's just touching, it's sort of like a question as a whole, but I, I really think Salford are going to surprise a few people this year. Um, I think, as you've touched on, Jamie, I think Richard Marshall is, is a great coach. I feel like their, their recruitment has been very, very good, um, astute in a lot of positions. Obviously, they've lost big players. A lot of these players have been given their the sort of like a second chance. You think of Escobar as being floundering, George Burgess now away from that sort of spotlight. Um, and you look at other players that they've sort of signed, Harvey Levet in that sort of vein. Do you think that can, as a whole, be a positive for a club? A lot of these players have got a point to prove, that, as well as having a point to prove there's less pressure on them now, now they've moved on. Do you feel like that can be... Uh, sort of uh, ignite a spark in, 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 the, in the club as a whole and help them push on and, and again overachieve? Or do you think having too many players having a point to prove will be much more of a detriment? We've seen it happen at Wakefield. I mean, we, we've gone through years and years of picking up players who were wanted by other clubs who, who really wanted a second or third or fourth chance. Um, and it's kind of a now or never. Like, like you said, I think that there are a lot of players in this squad who, who need to push because they're probably not going to get a gig at another Super League club whether it's salary cap or whether it's the fact that nobody wants to take a risk on them. What I do think, they've not only signed, they've not signed over the hill players. People like Joe Burgess and Declan Patton are still in the mid-20s and they've still got a lot of good years ahead of them. And the fact that they've still got a lot of prospects as well. Ollie Roberts and Harvey Levette in the back row, I do really like. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be more beneficial to them than detrimental. They haven't got players who are on big money anymore. You know, when Kukash came in and he was flashing money at everybody. They seem to have got a good, hard-working uh, squad there. And blokes like Danny Addy, Lee Mossop, Greg Burke, Andy Ackers, they're going to really get their head down and, and play, and they're not there for, for the flashy money um, as well. Would you, I'm just thinking, I've got the squad up in front of me. I'm just having a look, and I'm really impressed with the backs and the forwards. But I think that the major concern for me as a fan would be I don't think that the halves are particularly good enough in Lola here and Brown. Brown is, 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 a, is a, must be pushing 34, 35, and obviously he's had quite a few injuries the last few seasons. And I'm trying to look who they've got. They've got Chris Atkin, who's a very good player who can play there. But other than that, I don't know if I'm missing anyone obvious, but... It, that seems to be about it, and I feel like that could be where they come undone against a lot of the bigger sides. Would, would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I won't play Brown. I'd play Declan Patton. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yeah. But apart from that, I did actually mean to include him, but apart from them, there's no one, no one really, no one else, and that's still quite a weak spine, in, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, you know my views on Lola here. I think he's I think he's out of his depth when he's when he's not running the ball. Declan Patton's good. If he can learn more from Kevin Brown, probably like he did when he played with him at Warrington. And Chris Atkin is a really good halfback. It's not just because he's a friend of the show and, and we know him quite well. But I think he, he, he should be given more opportunity. But I think they've actually got more depth in the house than other clubs do. But yeah, it, it, it's tough because you've got Patton who needs to prove. You've got Kevin Brown who's on his way out. You've got Lola here who can go missing in games. And then you've got Chris Atkin who don't really get the opportunity. So it's, it's going to be difficult. But... I think they'll still be they'll be safe, and I think if you're a Salford fan, you still got to be positive for this year, especially. Um, good stuff, lads. So we're going to end the program like we did with the NRL with three ball predictions um, of each of us. I'll, I'll do mine quickly. I think Huddersfield will make a major final. Uh, I think that they're going to be playing really, really well this year as well. Um, Huddersfield are going to make a major final. I'm going to go with Harry Bowes making. 10-plus first-team appearances for Wakefield. And my last one, I think Lee might be able to survive relegation. Even though I just know that I've just previewed him and I think I said they'll, they'll finish bottom, but if it's a bold one, I'll say that they'll, they'll survive relegation. What about you, Jed? I will go that Warrington won't perform as expected. And I've, I, I won't go that they'll miss out on the playoffs, but I think they'll be looking to scrape into the playoffs come the back end of the season. I feel like Salford are going to surprise a lot of people uh, and might sneak into the playoffs. In terms of individual players, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't think of the top of my head. Um, I don't know. Chris Nanino gets Man of Steel. It's about as bold as they come. <laughs> uh, my first one is the Challenge Cup final as none of St. Helens, Wigan or Warrington in. None of the big three. Um, Oli Partington to win Young Player of the Year, which is not much of a surprise, and Wakefield to finish in the top eight. Oi! Beautiful, beautiful way to end. Um, thank you very much, Joss. Thank you very much, Jed. It's been a pleasure previewing all these teams, and we've got Super League coming up in the next couple of days. Wakefield to beat Leeds, you heard it here first, I'm calling it right now. Um, thank you very much, everybody that has listened to the podcast, the previews. Super League and the NRL and we've got some brilliant recaps and some brilliant interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks and months. Check us out on the podcasting platforms and our social media pages for more exclusives. Thank you once again from the Three Books and the Rugby League podcast and we will see you down the road.